Hey, I'm Russ. And I'm Steve. Growing up in the 80s, we were introduced to video games, movies, and technology that made a lasting impression on us and forever enriched our lives. I think I'm gonna cry! It's been a fascinating journey to be a part of, one that we constantly treasure. Fire! Booty! Our goal is simple. Share our magical moments of discovery and geek out with lovely folks. Just like you! Uh, achievement unlocked! So if you crave pixel goodness, memorable moments, and experiences that make your inner child do the happy dance, you've come to the right place. Let's do this! Welcome to Joygasm! <laughs> yeah! Can't you just be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? Just stay close to the ground. You're the Spider-Man from YouTube. Can you summon an army of spiders? No, Ned, no. Do you know him too? I stole his shield. Can I try the suit on? Badass. The rich and the powerful, like Stark, they don't care about us. The world's changing, boys. Time we change too. These weapons are crazy dangerous. Listen, Peter, forget the flying monster guy. There are people who handle this sort of thing. The illegal weapons barrier was at 2.30. You missed it. Died. I was just trying to be like you. I wanted you to be better. I'm gonna need the suit back. But I'm nothing without this suit. If you're nothing without this suit, then you shouldn't have it. I screwed up. You need to stop carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. I want you to understand. I'll do anything to protect my family. I know you know what I'm talking about. So don't mess with me. I will kill you and everybody you love. My friends are up there! The guy is still out there. I've just got to do this on my own. Just don't do anything stupid. I got this. All right? Yeah. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Joygasm. My name is Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and with me, as 
per usual, Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, as we begin episode 24 on this July 12th, 2017. If you have a question, comment, or just want to leave us some love, you can find us on Twitter at JoygasmTV. You can also find us at Facebook.com slash JoygasmTV as your one-stop shop for all things video games, movies, pop culture, geek culture. It doesn't matter. It's just all there, right there at your fingertips. We're also on soundcloud.com slash joygasmtv, which is a great alternative resource for you. And if you can't find us or, or don't like using podcasts, you can find us right there. And we're on YouTube. And I'm not even going to try and like do what Steve does, but uh, it's it's this incredibly, ridiculously, randomly long link. So all you, all you have to do is go on YouTube, do a search for Joygasm. And we're about six or seven slots down. We're still making our way up to the top of the search field list. And please do subscribe to it because we are making our way toward getting our custom URL. We, today, are going to dedicate this episode of Joygasm to reviewing the movie Spider-Man Homecoming. But before we indulge all of you webheads, how you doing, Steve? Russ, I'm a little sickly right now. Are you a little under the weather, Steve? A little under the weather. I'm sorry to hear that. No, you're not, Russ. I know, I really am. <laughs> Better me than you. Right? I, fe- I feel bad because there is a chance, a very good chance, a probable chance, high probability that you contracted said cold from my lovely daughter. Mm-hmm. I probably did. Although you never know. Perhaps there was some freak virus or germ (laughs) that was at the gym. (laughs) You never know. Who knows? (laughs) Or perhaps it was the family outing. Maybe you got it from one of the other sin relatives. No. (laughs) She was kissing on you a lot. That was really sweet. It was definitely worth it. Mm -hmm. But I might have a sneeze uh, coming your way in a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you, you think of that, Steve? <laughs> yeah, we have a Kleenex box here on the uh, the table yep. inside this the El Studio. <laughs> El Studio. <laughs> That's like Spanish for studio. No. <laughs> <clears throat> it's something else entirely, but I have no idea what it is because I'm ignorant. Well, how you doing, Rose? I'm doing well. I have been having a lot of much-needed family time. As you are aware, I've uh, I've just really been enjoying having a good time. I went out um, with the fam to the the pool, which I haven't done in quite a while, and I turned into a tomato in certain places. So it, it was a lot of fun. It was nice to be able to go out there um, with the wife, as well as with my lovely little daughter, and that was. Um, her second time in a big pool. And so she was a little apprehensive at first, a little nervous, but then soon enough she found her independence and she wanted to be able to float in between mommy and daddy. So that was a lot of fun. It was good to get some some sun on this very, 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 very ivory skin. Mm. So even though I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little sore in certain places, uh, it was well, it was worth it. It was, it was good. It was good to get out there. It's nice to hear, Russ. Got, got a nice uh, overdose of vitamin D, which mm. I'm sure I needed anyway, but don't we all? Yeah. Other than that, it's just looking at your handsome mug, being able to mm. spend some quality time with the bro. Mm-hmm. And a tissue box. And a tissue box. Yes, <laughs> yes. See, that's the thing. Is like I, my uh, my. I was gonna say my metabolism. This has absolutely nothing to do with metabolism whatsoever. My uh, what is it, Steve? What what, are, what do you what, call what are you, what are you talk? Oh no, your immunities. Immunity. Thank you. I don't know where I got metabolism. That was ridiculous. Anyway, the immunity 
factor has improved because once you have a child, that child brings home all kinds of lovely, nasty little germs and mm. it gives your white and red blood cells a run for their money, but they wise up. They, they soon are able to uh, deal with it, at least initially. And then they get overwhelmed and I get sick too. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Parenthood. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, but aside from the sicklies as well as going outside and, and uh, having some adv- um, adventures with the family. I've been, I've been playing some games. Mm-hmm. As you are uh, um, already in the know, I've been stuck in Halo 5. <laughs> <sighs> I don't remember the name of the map off the top of my head, but it's the one where it's you're kind of in this Covenant ruin area. The, the map itself graphically is one of the better looking maps in the entire single player campaign. However, the the way they have those all the, the baddies sprinkled throughout the map is I felt like it was a big F you to the player. <laughs> it was just like, what the heck? And uh, Steve can attest to this. There there were some F bombs being thrown around here and there by yours truly due to the frustration. But Steve, I am pleased to report. I'm yeah. pleased as punch. Pleased as pie. So I continued to, to uh, attempt to move past that and get to the next checkpoint. And if if you folks out there who've played Halo Five, it's it's the the area of this map where they have a wraith that's just sitting like a boss, like just on top of this elevated position. There's a bunch of Covenant ruins everywhere. There's snipers everywhere. There's a lot of jackals and grunts and elites and just gun turrets a plenty just everywhere. I mean, it's pretty much against you. And so you have to make your way up to this, this um, mouth of this covenant looking cave that's has a kind of a plasma shield that you have to hack into and whatnot. Anyway, it just takes forever. And I have honestly lost track how many times I have <laughs> tried to get past that point. I just couldn't. However, Steve, as you well know, I am a very tenacious man. I do know this indeed. <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a very, uh, oh, that sounded ah, juicy. I'm back to normal. Don't worry. I swallowed it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just roll over and die. I may have all my limbs be chopped off and bleeding out, and I'll just laugh at you and tap into my inner Monty Python and say, tis a flesh wound. But I'm here to tell you, Steve, at one point I got really upset. And I thought, you know what? Forget all the enemies. I don't care. Normally, I'm a I'm a mop up kind of guy. I mm-hmm. like to be able to to leave no stone unturned and just be able to lay waste to anything that doesn't look like an earthling. However, this time I was in my ghost, and I just floored it. I just avoided everybody, and I just made it one stop shop and just 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 like a beeline toward the wraith. So just imagine, like, all the enemies are still there. I ditch my squad because, as you know, they're useless. The AI just sucks in this game. And I went toe-to-toe with a wraith. And so I went right up. And, I mean, I'm, like, raging at this point. I'm just like, bring it! And... I like rammed my my ghost into the front of the race. So he I was too close for him to be able to launch his cannon. You know, that, that cannon that has a huge, ridiculous, stupid amount of splash damage radius. 
So all I had to deal with was the, the, the elite that was in the machine gun turret of the Wraith. So what I started doing is after I hit him, after I run into the Wraith, I then just start turning my ghost, forcing the Wraith to also turn. So we're doing this like, it's almost as if you're looking at the face of a, of a traditional watch and you're watching the, the long hand, the short hand moving. I was thinking more like synchronized swimming. Or <laughs> That's even better. Okay, we'll go with that. Synchronized swimming. But I just kept my my finger down on the, the trigger and was just shooting, shooting, shooting. I took the Wraith out. It's good, Russ. It was amazing. And then I was able to lay waste to the other baddies that were up in that area. And then at that point, my ghost was about to blow up, so I, I ditched it. By that time, my team had joined me up on the high ground, which is a whole lot better, as you well know. It's a much better advantage than being on the ground, way down below. And um, we were able to, to slowly but surely just take out all the rest of them. It was just, just being able to take out that wraith first and then just do all the, the cleanup afterwards was that it just did the trick. I was floored. I, I honestly thought it was, I was just going to rage there for a moment just to like take out the, the wraith and then I'd have some sort of satisf- like satisfaction out of it. But it ended up working. I got the shield hacked and now I'm beyond that. So next time when I pop that game in, you will see finally some new visuals. Ah. Well, that's good to hear, Russ. <laughs> I, I was when I was watching you play. I was thinking about how unbalanced it was, and I, uh, when when you played uh, Halo Three, for example, and you get to a point where there's going to be a bunch of snipers, they kind of hint at it by having a little weapons pod there with at least one uh, good sniper rifle that you can choose to take or not, but mm-hmm. they're just giving you a hint that hey, there's baddies that are out there. It's you know, short range weapons aren't going to do the trick. You're going right. to have a heck of a time getting through this part if you don't pick up the rifle and uh, your choice or not. But this, but this one, they don't give you hardly anything at all. Or if they do, it's like a small, you know, short sight carbine and everyone's really far away. So it's almost like, you know, useless. It's pretty unforgiving. And what yeah. it was surprising about it is that all of the areas leading up to that final area were not that bad. Yeah. And I was actually able to, to get through it with little effort and I was actually just spending time enjoying the visuals. I, re- I really do like what they did with the, the environments in there, but you just get to this point and you're thinking, why did they ratchet up the difficulty? I mean, yeah. it, it felt like it was like at the end of the game. It was just, it, it was just a, like I said, a, a ridiculously difficult part of uh, the game. And so now I'm at a part where there's this ginormous scarab that's like come down and I'm still having to fight that and, and so on and so forth. But <sighs> Aside from that, just been, you know, also kind of digging along through uh, Horizon Zero Dawn still, as well as uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Got my, go. got both my ladies with uh, the bow and arrow action going, so I've just been enjoying that as well. How about you? Actually, uh, I haven't done much. Um, I have Ever since the last episode, I never really opened up my Netflix yet. It's still sitting there, um, because we've been watching a ton of movies. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I played a little bit of... Uh, Overwatch. Magic however, to my ear. However, there's nothing really to report. Um, I have some pictures I'm going to post on Facebook uh, probably tonight or tomorrow. Oh, right on. Uh, about what's coming up uh, or little little Easter eggs I found in the maps. Uh, but uh, yeah, actually, I've just had uh, Baby Driver on my mind. and uh, Oh, you're still thinking about that. Yep. Um, and I've uh, been thinking about Spider-Man 2. Or not, not Spider-Man. Uh, also, not 2. 
Anyway. Uh, T-O-O-2. <laughs> T-O-O. Not, not the numerical two. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. No, actually, um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm all set to jump right in, Russ. If you want to take a spelunk. Go spelunking? Go spelunking into Spider-Man. I'm ready to go. I'd rather do some web slinging about that. That's fine, too. Tap into my inner Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh... So what we're gonna we're gonna do kind of the the same old same old of what our uh, returning visitors are used to. What typically what we do is we like to start out with a high level reaction to the film, no spoilers, and then we will give the folks who have not seen the movie yet time to be able to decide whether or not they want to continue listening to us uh, and listen to our, our spoilers as we go further down, we drill down into the movie or if they want to be able to exit out and be able to watch the movie first, we'll do that as well. So we are going to be covering the cast, of course, the plot. Oh, really? The script slash dialogue. You don't say. Cinematography. Duh. Soundtrack. Oh, I can't miss that one. And costume design. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot to cover here. Yeah. So I guess let's just kick things off. High level thoughts. Uh, did you like the movie? I did. And I think everyone should see it. Um, however, uh, I am very conflicted with it. Mm. Russ. Um, what about you? I liked it. I thought it was good. I um, I don't think it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. I think that Spider-Man 2 with Doc Ock is still my favorite Spider-Man film I've seen so far. However, having said that, I think that Spider-Man Homecoming falls into second place for me. Yeah. I, I spent a little bit of time watching some scenes from the very, very first Spider-Man that was out. Uh, so I could have something to compare to, and uh, and 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 I do, and I, and I I like a lot about this latest Spider-Man, and I, and I I'm not gonna say I don't like certain things. It's just that I'm conflicted with it, you know. Oh, so uh, I'm curious. It's, it's, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad. They're not bad things. It's just stuff that that they're kind of they're kind of good and they're kind of not so good, but they're not bad. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I think. Depending on the viewer, it's just going to be to each his own. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I thought Tom Holland uh, is my by far my favorite Spidey. Yeah, uh, just uh, be, you know between Tobey Maguire, um, I think it was Andrew Garfield. Yeah, Andrew. Gar- I, I'm sorry, I can't do Andrew. Garfield. Yeah, I can't. I, I, I like I, him in in other films like The Social yeah, Network, oh, but sure. I didn't feel like he was a, a, a right Peter Parker. Yeah. But Tom Holland for me just nailed it. Like he is Peter Parker. Yeah. I think that including Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a great call. We've talked about that multiple times leading up to this film. Um, he feels like he um, just belongs. You know, when you look at a lot of the the previous Sony films, he kind of almost exists independently of of just the uh, where all these other Marvel characters live. And I thought it was just great that. I mean, it's no spoiler to know, you know, Tony Stark, of course, um, makes a bit of an appearance in the film. And it's just, it's nice to to get that kind of vibe that now he's he's within the ecosystem of all these other Marvel characters. He's definitely the most believable as a Peter Parker. Yeah. Right. Definitely. 
Um, I would say the movie felt like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man totally. should feel. Yeah. I mean, I, I walked out of the theater thinking uh, just what Tony Stark said and just what he, you know Peter Parker says in the comic books. I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I'm thinking, yep, that's just how it felt, which was also kind of a relief too. Uh, because after seeing uh, the Avengers and some other Marvel movies where it's like this, you know, big catastrophic thing that's going to happen. I, I just didn't want to see this, this, uh, uh, how should I put it? Um, you know, world ending kind of movie. I wanted, I was kind of wanted to take yeah. a step back a little bit. Just show me some like everyday, absolutely, you know, Spider Man y kind of things. And uh, that's, and I, and I got that. Uh-huh. And I'm glad I got that. Um, I wouldn't say it exceeded my expectations, but I didn't, I'm glad they didn't not do what I wanted them to do. Yeah. Um, Do you know Sony made the original? For Spider Man Two, back in like what was it, two thousand or something like that? It was a long time ago. I that was also want to Sony. say, oh yeah, so- Sony has made every Spider Man. Oh, they've made everyone, yeah, yeah. And this one in particular is the one where both Marvel Studios and Sony right. tag team this. Essentially, like like Sony still owns the rights to Spider Man, yeah, but they allowed Marvel Studios to actually come in and make the film. Yeah. And I think that they've they've arranged some sort of splitting of the profits. I don't know if it's like 50 50 or what, but, yeah. but that's, but that's essentially what was um, decided upon, which I think is great. I think yeah. that's fantastic. Let, you know, let, let, let all the bean counters in the back do their little moving and shaking, but let Spider-Man come into that Marvel right. studio cinematic universe. And, yeah. and then everybody wins. This is going to be great. It also felt like a very 2017 Spider-Man, if that makes yes. any sense. Yeah. Um, you know what also was cool too, because I, like I said earlier, I, I went back and I watched some scenes from uh, the first Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and uh, you're talking about the the very first one, the very first one, yeah. Um, and just like looking at the high schools, like the high school class. Oh sure, you know, yeah. I mean, and the first one, I'm I'm just referring to the the Spider-Man that was out a while ago as the first Spider-Man, but not necessarily. I think Spider-Man the first Spider-Man one. came out in like 2001. Yeah, 2001 or 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when I was looking at, uh, at the high school class, like everybody is just like, you know, in their twenties or like upper twenties and sure. trying to act high school, which I mean, everybody acted fine, but it's just not believable, you know, uh, rather as this one, you're like smack dab in a high school class, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, that's believable and that's cool. Of course. Another angle of that is that you're getting older. Whoa. So those kids are looking younger and younger. True. But like I said, I mean, I, you know, looking at the other film, I mean, they look just like me because they're in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also thought that Michael Keaton did pretty well as the villain. So for anyone out there who was wondering how he held up, um, I, I felt that, I mean, I, I'm a huge Michael Keaton fan. I'm, I think just about every film that he's ever made, I've always enjoyed. I was a big fan of, I will say that the source material restricted him a bit and I'll get into that later on, but just from a high level, I just felt as though he at times, not the whole time, but certain times it just felt like he was being constrained a bit by the script as opposed to letting him have a bit more creative freedom with the character. But that is um, thankfully not a huge deal. It's just little parts here and there. I was kind of like, huh, sitting there and thinking, I, I think 
I don't think he's he's able to to push it to eleven like he normally does for this particular part. Yeah. I loved a certain major plot twist that we won't talk about right now. We'll get into later uh, that I didn't see coming. Um, and but it was it, to me it was like a huge payoff. Like it, it was worth the price of admission. Yeah. Speaking of Michael Keaton's character again, mm-hmm. if you go back and you in the comic and you look at the villain who he portrays, the Vulture, yeah, yeah he, I mean, he, the movie makes him look really cool, yeah. And the comic book, I'm thinking this is the best you had for a design on the villain, so uh, I'm glad they they went with the design. Yeah, yeah. In the comic book, the Vulture is actually much older. He's yeah. he's a pretty old guy. Yeah. And right. yeah, a lot of his costume, of course, is kind of campy, especially when you look at the right. older iterations of it. Yeah. The soundtrack was not as memorable as Danny Elfman's version. Right, yeah. And we can talk about more, that more later on, but I, I feel like that's important to, to take note of is that I was looking forward to seeing what they would do with it this time around. And just with the exception of the intro, which I will not talk about right now because I did the, I'll, I'll classify that as spoiler ask. There, there is a part that I, I do appreciate. We have to go through the elevator before you can talk about that. Right? I know exactly. We'll take a little elevator ride. The diversity was done successfully um, in a way that that felt natural, um, and, and just just you know looking at the the high school classrooms and just seeing you know it wasn't filled with a bunch of white kids. Yeah, it, it was like actually like you had all sorts of, of different backgrounds in there. And I thought that was refreshing. I thought that was really cool. Um, and I, but it's not just like, Oh, it was cool. It was like, it was believable. It was yeah. accessible. It yeah. was something that like, it just felt natural and it was something that was great to see. Now I will, I feel, I feel compelled to make a comparison here and that is star Wars rogue one. Now, as you know, I really do love Star Wars Rogue One. There's a lot of things I really do cherish about that film. However, the one thing that I had to nitpick about that film was when they were planning their their big attack. And so they were they were around the holographic table and you had a lot of actors, extras, that sort of thing. Um, who also, it was very diverse, but it wasn't diverse from a galactic standpoint where like you're in this galaxy far, far away. And so you, you expect to see all these different types of aliens and different types of species and whatnot. It felt more like the United Nations on earth where you just, you had all these different types of dignitaries that were in their garb and the, yeah, the garb was kind of sort of Star Warsy, but it just, it took me out of the moment because at that point it just felt too much. It was, mm-hmm. it was just, you're, they were kind of, uh, placating is, is kind of strong, but it's in that direction of just, it's like, ah, you guys could have toned that back a bit and just, um, have had come up with, a probably, a, a better way of going about it. Going back to Spider-Man, however, it worked perfectly right. all throughout the boss fight. I felt was disappointing. And we'll talk about that more later on, but I there, there were the the lead up to it was, was was really entertaining. It was great, and then it was like when the actual fighting commenced, it was kind of like that's it. So something to to, to keep in mind. Just, just yeah, to we, we can to, talk. We can we can toss that one back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts regarding high level? Um, no. Um, I mean. 
I think what we said is, is really pithy to the overall movie without any spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just can't wait to just get in there and start digging around a little bit. It's 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 a great great movie. Um, I, I man, I I just really want to talk about. Well, Steve, let's go ahead and get into the elevator. Let's get in the elevator, Russ. Uh, this is the opportunity for all you folks who have not seen the film yet and don't want to be spoiled by what we're about to talk about. The opportunity to be able to get off at your proverbial floor and allow us to keep going up to the main suite with all the lovely views and pool and whatnot. It's going to be great. You know, the drinks are reasonably priced here, Russ. Hopefully it won't uh, come back up to say hello later on. Yeah, true. Service is good as well. (laughs) Did you just fart in the elevator? Maybe I did. Um, Oh. Yeah, the uh, bartender can use a little work though, Russ. I'll tell you that. All right, that's probably enough time to let folks decide. I say we jump right into casting slash acting. What do you think, Steve? Let's do it. So as I mentioned earlier, Tom Holland is the best Spidey yet, in my opinion. I think you agree. Yeah. Uh, So Marissa Tomei is okay. Um, she's the one who played Aunt May. Uh-huh. Which, it's not really, that's, that's part, well, it's not really a spoiler because we already knew that from... Um, from the trailer. C- Civil War and trailer, yeah. Yeah, Civil War, she was in there too. <clears throat> I struggle accepting her as Aunt May. Yeah. And it's weird because when I saw Captain America Civil War and we, we get introduced to her then, I was more accepting of her in that film. And I think it was because it was such a short part. Right. And I loved kind of the the, the flirtation and then the chemistry of, of Tony Stark with Aunt May. It was right. like, oh, that's like a funny kind of little, little thing. But now that we are in a film where she's much more prominent in the film, I, I just, I don't, I, I, maybe it's a personal preference. I mean, she she's a very beautiful woman. There's nothing, yeah. you know, bad about that per se, but I, I just don't feel as though Aunt May is supposed to be that way. Yeah, I uh, know. I, I I agree. I, again, this is one of the conflicts where I think they put her in there as younger because we see a younger Peter Parker versus the original or the, the first Spider-Man. Peter Parker's graduating high school and going on to college. He's living right. on his own, mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, this one, he's like 14 or 15. Sophomore in high school. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of makes sense for Aunt May to be a little bit younger, but yeah. not like the young, hot aunt. Uh, <laughs> well, and I feel like they kind of, they kept overplaying it. Yeah. It's you like know, she, they, they, they did it for a story more than. Well, it was one of those things too, where like, it, once again, Captain America Civil War, it was funny because it was unexpected that like yeah. Tony Stark's like, whoa, man, Aunt May is hot. You yeah. know, like the, and, and so it was ha ha. It was funny. It, it was, it was a, a cute moment, yeah. but then you go into this film and it's like, even the, the, the deli owners talking about his mom yeah. or not his mom, excuse right. me, his, his yeah. aunt, um, I don't know. It just, yeah. I mean, th- since they, they they had to bring her over from the other movie because they showed her, yeah. so it wouldn't make any sense to have to swap out the character or actor, you know, yeah, a last minute. Um, so I mean, I I can take her or leave her, but I think she got better for me as the film went on. Yeah, 
And I just hope that they cut back on the the little comments. Oh, she's hot. She's hot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Aunt, yeah there's, there's a whole lot more to Aunt May than just, <laughs> oh, she's hot. I want to do her. It's like, okay, great. But you know what? They didn't have Uncle Ben. Well, this took um, a bit of a different story arc. Yeah. Then, um, well, I think in the comics, there is there is a version of it where, um, well, B- Uncle Ben also dies early on. I know. And um, and we'll get to that in a minute because um, plot is right around the corner, oh, Steve. Man, I can, I can see it peeking at me. I feel like Robert Downey Jr. was a nice addition. I think that the, the, the movie definitely benefited by having him pop in. I think that if he wasn't in the film, I don't think that it, the, the film would have been as entertaining. I think it was cool to be able to introduce the a new actor of Spider-Man into it by having a familiar face in there. Right. So I thought that, you know, and it's Robert Downey Jr. I mean, like, like I've, I've talked about this so many times in the past. He just is Iron Man. It's, it's, it's yeah. fantastic. Every time he's on screen, I just grin. The thing is, again, it's, I don't know what scenes I would take him out of, uh-huh. but I felt like he was in there a little bit too much. Like I wanted to see a full blown Spider-Man film and then Tony Stark kept on coming back and coming back and coming back. And I was just thinking, I, I like him on screen, but at the same time, I kind of want Spider-Man to do more of his own thing. Uh-huh. You know, I wanted to be more Spider-Man-y and not... I don't think he was in there too much, but definitely if they put him any more into it, then exactly. I think it would have like, encroached It's a bit. right there at the limit. And yeah. I just kind of wanted to, to, to back off a, a tad. Yeah. I also thought that uh, Zendaya was refreshing as MJ. She was the one who was always giving Peter Parker crap. You're gonna hate me, but I I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. I wanted I wanted MJ to be the 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 Liz character. Uh-huh. To me, I looked at her on screen. and I thought, oh man, that's MJ, awesome. And then when she turned out not to be MJ, you see that the the other character, I I thought she was just thrown in there for comic relief, and so uh-huh. I, I thought she was just a passable character. Yeah. And at the end, she's like, mm, my friends call me MJ. I thought, ah. Uh, uh, I guess so, you know, but it was a little bit of a disappointment for me because I wanted Liz to be MJ. There was certainly more of an edgier tone to MJ with, yeah. with, with the way they approached that character. But who knows? It might be because they're sophomores in high school and as the, the sequels will inevitably roll in, maybe we'll see more like a sweeter side to her because MJ, when I read the comics, especially ones drawn by Mark Bagley, I'm I'm used to MJ being more of a sweetheart. So we'll see. But at the same time, watching the movie, I, I got a kick out of it. The girl who played Liz, her name is Laura Harrier. I have not seen her anything before. Um, I thought she was pretty, definitely. And and just, she really only served as like a story vehicle. There, there really wasn't a whole lot more other than just, oh, she's a pretty face. And she's smart. And she's, yeah. She's patient. She's forgiving. Yeah, she had a lot of qualities about her, which would obviously attract the the eye of Peter Parker and that sort of thing. But um, it was interesting how it just moved along, and, and suddenly she she was moving to Oregon, and it was just done. It was like, oh, it's a done deal. Because yeah. I was kind of like, I, I was thinking the same thing as you initially was like, oh, I wonder if this is gonna be MJ. Yeah, because because she really embodied a lot of that sweetness of of MJ that I'm used to seeing right. uh, in the comic book. This one was just like. I don't know. She she just had this bitter scent feeling about her. I, I just you know who she I, reminded I, I me. Of? I like to draw people who are in pity or panicking. You know, I want to do some protest. Okay, got it. All right. She reminded me of Gaz from Invader Zim. Yeah, she okay. she imbued a lot of those personality traits. Yeah. I mean, she'd be a, an awesome Gaz. 
<laughs> True. Moving right along into plot. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the approach of how Spider-Man was already established, so we didn't have to go through the origin story again. I feel like like that's been done to death with how many times Sony has rebooted this franchise. And I think they've rebooted it three times. This is the third time. Yeah. Instead, we get to go on a proper journey with Peter as he goes through the learning curve of what it takes to be a hero. And I'm thinking, perfect. That's great. We don't have to go through the whole ordeal of him before he got bitten by a radioactive spider and then he does get bit and then him doing the transformation. We've already seen that and it's cool that the film's creators are like, yeah, we're not going to go there again. We're just going to pick up right after that has happened, which is great. Yeah, I, I I appreciated that too. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more origin story, but I didn't want it to take it away from the the, the story they were trying to propose to us. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm glad they had little tidbits here and there about Peter Parker talking to his friend Ned, I think it was, Ned. Yeah. Uh, about you know what had happened. Uh, mm-hmm. So they gave us those nuggets. So in case we have uh, newcomers to Spider-Man, they, they can have a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm trying to figure it out what, what Sony's trying to do with exactly where the story comes in because they already had, you know, the Spider-Man one and then they had right. Spider-Man two and then, okay, we, we got it. That Tobey Maguire's out. Yeah, Andrew Garfield's out. Okay. So where does this fall in with every Spider-Man movie, you know, <laughs> Sony's made like what, what part of the story? Cause right when you, right when we come in is, you know, Spider-Man doesn't even have a suit. Like right. he's just in sweats. Yeah. Uh, which if we go back to Spider-Man one, that's right after he was doing those little wrestling matches. Oh, for, sure. <laughs> with Macho Man, know. Randy Savage. That's right. Uh, for cold, hard cash. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, to me, I just thought, okay, I feel the excitement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, awesome. Was it saw, Sawtooth or Saw saw blade or saw whatever his name was in the uh, in the game remember everybody's like has their cardboard saws and trying to saw off their arm because like for that was sort of the little fan stuff uh anyhow um so yeah i i liked how they did it i just i i just don't know if i wanted more or more just kept it as it is but i was happy as it is but mm-hmm. you know tossing around hands down my favorite scene in the entire film was discovering that peter oh I was going to say Peter Parker. I guess I could say Peter. Uh, was um, discovering that Peter's love interest, Liz, is the daughter of the vulture. I did not see that coming at all. I don't know about you folks who are listening out there or even you. My. I'm sitting right across from you, Russ. Ask me. Well, did you expect that or were yes, you surprised? Yes, I Oh, you did expect yes, it. Yes, I did. Okay. Well, for me, like when I was, I was sitting there in the theater and I saw that occur and I was like, wow, like that, that right there was worth a price of admission for me personally, because I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. I just figured, Oh, she, once again, going back into the, she's, she's the pretty face. She has all these, you know, sweet qualities about her. She's, she plays as this love interest to Pete. I figured that the vulture would, would, you know, snatch her or, you know, hold her for ransom or, or use her as leverage in order to get Pete to back off. So when he comes to, to the house, to take her to the homecoming dance. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's wait. Okay. So that's her house. We saw her, you know, yeah. when he was at the party, but then he answers the door. I was like, okay, I'm happy now. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's on. Yeah. And uh, it was great too, because it wasn't, it wasn't like one of those things too, where like he, he answers the door and he's like, Hey, I'm the vulture surprise. Right. You know, like, like he had no idea who Peter was. And just inviting him in like any parent would 
would, you know, there's a dance going on or, or what any, have you. any father would. Yeah. Any father. Yeah. It's just, just all the, the comments he's making. And then figuring out the guy who's going to take out his daughter. Yeah. You know, is this same, guy like normal? Yeah. Is he going to treat her right? All that stuff. And at and, the same time thinking, where have I heard that voice before? Well, in, in bouncing off that leading into the, the car scene of them driving in and just how the information is being collected and kind of the double talk, the double entendres on certain things and whatnot. Like I, I just, I love that whole, I mean, it was tense. Yeah. It, it was cool because they played off the notion that as a guy, when you're, when you pick up a girl to go to the dance that you really like, you're already feeling stressed about making a good impression. Sure. And you feel nervous because obviously the girl looks really pretty sitting next to you in the back of her dad's car. Mm-hmm. You know, her dad is the one that's driving, who's chauffeuring you guys to the dance and whatnot. And so no touchy, no handhold. Oh, like, you, you know, know the piercing gaze of the dad <laughs> looking through the rear view mirror and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so it was cool. Too close. It was so cool how they, they played on that and took it to this much more intense, yeah. um, level where where they're they're discovering who each other really are is who you are who i is was i don't know yeah so that's one of those (laughs) one of those who's this was is how's this is (laughs) i liked how oh were you gonna say something else actually i was just gonna add something um there there's just so many scenes did you want to add it or multiply it uh divide it perhaps i'm gonna go exponent uh, exponential style rush uh (laughs) I'm just going to add real quick that there's, there's a lot of scenes that uh, they, they did very, very well. Yes. Either if, if it's showing Peter Parker's adolescence and, and figuring out the whole uh, with, with great power comes great responsibility because sure. that's the theme in the whole entire movie, even though nobody says it, you know, it as Absolutely. a fan, it is plain, plainly visible. But so you have Peter Parker going through adolescence and figuring out, you know, being this this teenager growing into a man and all those experiences that happened to all of us. Sure. Uh, mixed with him trying to, you know, harness his abilities. Mm-hmm. But they they do so in, 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 in a very memorable way uh-huh. in so many scenes that I, I, I appreciated it as, as a viewer. Right on. I liked how Tony Stark was much more mature in this outing. Although I will always treasure his immature charm. I feel like that's, Mm -hmm. that's like his strongest suit as Tony Stark, but it was cool to be able to see him. And and he has been kind of making more of a turn toward the mature. I know in in Captain America civil war, he was also, no, he he was almost melancholy in a way, but, but he was very much concerned with the state of affairs. And of course, just what went down with regards to, to him and Captain America. It was cool. Um, how as a viewer, I would get caught up in the moment of whatever conflict Peter Parker was involved in, um, such as the, the ship getting split in half, but then realized how small a conflict it is in the grand scheme of things. When Iron Man came to the rescue, right. I thought that they did a really, really nice job not only with that particular scene, but, but in multiple scenes through the movie where like I would get drawn in, I think you probably did too, where you just, you you get drawn into the situation that Peter Parker is having to deal with. And you, and you feel like in his footsteps, 
how much of a big deal this is. But then once Tony comes in, you realize, wow, this actually is not a big deal. I mean, if you think about the kind of things that like Tony Stark would have to deal with, yeah, you know, sure. there, there are yeah. dimensional portals that yeah. are opening up in the sky right. that he's having to deal with, or he's having to launch a nuclear bomb through the portal before it closes. And just, I found myself thinking about that. And I thought that it was um, just really refreshing approach to like how not every single superhero film has to have some sort of grandiose, huge, the whole world is, is teetering on the brink of destruction. Right. Even having something like a ferry boat that still has human souls Mm -hmm. on board and you need, they need saving. It was just nice to have take, take more of that, um, focused approach, I guess you could say. What'd you think? I, I would have to agree about the maturity. Uh, they did it so sweet in that Peter Parker, you know, he, he's obviously has his abilities. I mean, I mean, come on, he's Spider-Man for crying out loud, but he's, he's not old and, and strong and yeah. whatnot. He's doing the best that he can with his innocence and his purity. And I, 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 I like that. Um, well, it drove home the idea that folks can be heroes every day. Exactly. You don't have to do something on a global scale in order right. to achieve the title hero. You know what I, what I thought too was, uh, with this whole thing with Peter Parker growing up in Discovery and and you know young Spider Man versus older Iron Man and the experience of uh-huh. both right that the tilting uh, one thing that that resonated with me growing up at least you know in my maturity in my adolescence and uh, becoming a, uh, going into manhood was um, gauging manhood manhood uh, uh, <laughs> was gauging problems puberty. Uh, ah, I was gauging problems. Uh, <laughs> would you like fries with that? Um, so <laughs> was, uh, you know, issues or, or problems uh, that I thought were big. I would have to go get help or support or advice. Uh-huh. Uh, and it turned out it didn't, it wasn't that big. And sometimes it was that big, but because the person was so mature, they just had this oversight of no, okay, you know, you're 14, you're 15, whatever. It's not that big of a deal. And then the whole thing blows up Mm -hmm. and then you're going, Oh, Oh, right. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, it is a big deal. I'm thinking, why were you paying attention to me? Sure. And so when Pete, when that happened with Peter Parker and Iron Man, I was right there. I mean, Uh he, he's, he's walking this fine line of trying to impress Tony Stark and, and be a part of the, of this big, worldwide, you know, otherworldly team, let's put it that way. Uh, so he wants to be a, kind of a kiss up, but he wants to show his prowess at the same time. Well, I think he, he was demonstrating his enthusiasm to want to help. Right. And I, and I think that that's very yeah. accurate when it comes to teenagers. Enthusiasm, but he, he like chose his words and, and his actions very wisely. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that that's really uh, an endearing trait especially not only with um, with with Peter Parker but I think I think a lot of teenagers out there in the world they understand that they're kind of in this transitionary state where they're no longer a kid right but they haven't reached adulthood yet right and they have the mental capacity to understand what need what it needs to happen in terms of them being able to, to push forward and be a contributing member of society and in spider-man's case it's it's an elevated version of civic duty yeah. True. So it's it's pretty cool. What did you think of Spidey's Karen? Karen. Karen was the the UI, the the interface. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, I thought that was cool. It kind of reminded me of the movie Her. Uh huh. In a way, just because the the UI definitely had 
a lot of personality. I yeah. mean, if we compare Karen to Jarvis, for example, I mean, Jarvis, Jarvis I, lo- I love me some Jarvis. Jarvis is awesome, but he's more flat. He's more flat than, than Karen was. I mean, Karen was like way feminine for a UI. Like, Oh, uh-huh. what do you think of that? Peter? Well, I suggest you do this. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm thinking, yeah. Okay. Karen, how about I just talk to you the whole time? <laughs> Ultimately, I think in the future, just not not to digress too far, but I do believe that we are going to see AI with that type of, of, course. of human interaction. I, I think that right now with Siri and that sort of thing, it's very basic, very archaic. But it, it's going to be great, I would say, maybe 15 years from now, yeah. somewhere around there to have some sort of interaction like that, where you're, it's like you're having a conversation with someone, only the someone is this AI that's capable of, of providing you with tons of information at a glance, but in a conversational manner. And I think that they're, they're kind of flirting with that as yeah. well as like, you know, with, with Jarvis and so forth. I think what they were also flirting with is uh, Peter Parker's spidey sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like in the games and the comics, he's like, oh, my spider senses are tingling. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And then that means some dangerous happening around him that he needs to be wary of, uh, which is kind of like the old insect instinct, yeah. you know, I guess. And we were trying to swat a fly and all of a sudden yeah. it knows that the <laughs> yeah. doom of- <laughs> Impending death yeah. is coming off. <laughs> You hear that, Mr. Anderson? That is the sound of inevitability. There you go. (laughs) It is the sound of your death. Um, so we, I didn't see any times where he was like, you know, (gasps) you know, my spidey senses. Stare at the fly swatter and you're like, you ever stare at it, marvel at its genius? (laughs) You know what I don't like about it? The smell. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) So... Uh, Karen was more like his spidey sense where, you know, all these radars and sensory whatever's are going off and, uh-huh. and, and telling him through programming, uh, what to look out for and what to do. Yeah. That, that's actually a good point. I, I forgot to put that down on my notes. I know you did. <clears throat> actually, I didn't. I just guessed. Well, yeah. Your intuition serves you well. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that there was a little too much of that because it's, it began to feel a bit too much like Iron Man. Which I get. It's like, I understand that Tony made the suit, so naturally there will be certain sensibilities in place that correspond and correlate really to, uh, to Tony. But yeah, it would have been nice to have more of an emphasis on his spidey senses also going off some, you know, some sort of visual way of, of, of doing so. And in a way, I'm glad you brought up, you know, Tony making a Spider-Man suit. Back in Spider-Man 1, mm-hmm. you never really see how he gets the suit. He was just like, okay, some time has passed by, and all of a sudden, hey, well, he's got he, a great-looking suit. He, in the first film, if I remember correctly, I believe that Peter fabricated his own right. suit. Like, he, like, made he designed these schematics it. for it and yeah. designs, which is kind of a stretch because it's yeah. like you see the final suit, and you're like, dude, there is no yeah. way that that kid could have done that. Exactly. But, yeah. You have no fashion sense, no money for all this stuff. I, I'm willing to suspend uh, disbelief just yeah. because it is Spider-Man, so. Yeah. I, speaking of the suit, I appreciated the reverse approach of Spidey wearing his OG costume instead of his upgraded threads uh, from Tony Stark when he was fighting the vulture at the end. I thought that was really, that was cool. Cool. Just you're, cause you're expecting the whole time. Oh, he's going to have his suit back or he's going to have an upgraded version of the suit. And the fact that he donned his original threads um, was a really nice touch in my opinion. Yeah. You know, (laughs) It was kind of cool. And I thought, it, and when I saw it, I thought it was paying homage to the Spider-Man video games 
Uh-huh. But like when he when he's swinging around, life is good because he's yeah. going fast and it's a thrill. Yeah. And then when, once he, you know once he can't <laughs> shoot his web to catch anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, then life sucks. Like he falls in the pool. Sure. He's, like, he's stuck running on the ground like the rest. Yeah. He's like, this sucks. But I remember him like expecting to hit something when there was nothing to hit. He just shot webs out there like, oh, what, what was that? no. You know, and I remember in the video games how you could just do that. And, and, and the web would just automatically catch yeah. something, even if you were outside, yeah. you know, and there was just plain sky, no, no lights, no buildings, no statues. I, yeah, I, I love the scenes of him having to just run on the ground. Um, it really impressed upon me how vital it is for him to stick to surfaces and web sling around to make the character unique from other heroes. Right. And so it was just great. Like that one scene that you're describing where yeah. the camera's far back and you see him running across that like golf course or whatever, the sprinklers yeah. going, he's like, ah, this sucks. Yeah. I thought that was, that was nice. But uh, did you have any other thoughts about the plot or shall we continue? Um, you know, I, I, you were, you mentioned Michael Keaton's, uh, you know, character earlier. I don't know if you're, are you getting, are you going to go back to him later on? Or are you, um, uh, in your notes? Oh, I'm sure I have some other things about, but what, what were you? I, I thought he was very believable, um, both from where he came from and him being the villain without trying too hard to be evil. Sure. I mean, I thought that was very believable with the world as it is now with the rich and powerful mm-hmm. um, who are only only becoming more rich right. and leaves the rest of us with table scraps like he was talking about. I, that's really understandable, really ad- identifiable. The sensation of desperation begins to set exactly. in. Exactly. Suddenly you're entertaining ideas that normally yeah. you wouldn't have to. And he's got his lovely family, nice house. Yeah. Like there, There's a lot going on that that's deeper. That's just not on the surface of, oh, he's evil, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the times, and this, could, this may, might just be me, but I think a lot of the times when he was threatening people, like Spider-Man, you know, I'm going to take away this, I'm going to kill you. I, yeah. Part of me thinks that that was all just a bluff just to get him out of the business so he can go and be making money and, and continue doing what he, what he likes to do. Cause when he killed one of his henchmen, he didn't mean to kill his henchmen. Yeah. You know, he was like, uh, I thought this was a different kind of the weapon that I didn't, I didn't mean to kill the guy. And we don't see him like slaughtering people through the movie or just recklessly tossing out grenades and blowing. I mean, he's just, you know, stealing stuff. Yeah. So, um, I thought he was very believable as a person, mm-hmm. uh, psychologically, mentally, um, and as a villain. I thought he just did a great job. I, I don't know if I would have wanted any more from that. And even at the end when he's fighting Spider-Man, this is not some guy who's got super strength and martial art abilities right. and whatnot. I mean, he, this is your average Joe. Yeah. And he's kind of you know figuring out how to, all these contraptions work and to use to his, uh, the best of his ability. But by all means, he doesn't know how to fight beyond your average bar fight, you know? And sure. You're, you're fighting against Spider-Man. So, I mean, I thought, yeah, I wasn't some uh, blockbuster, you know, beat him up. But I, at the same time, I was kind of grateful for it because it was it was much more believable. Yeah, no, that that's certainly understandable. I, I know for me, because it is a superhero flick and because I... Um, enjoy the Spider-Man comics. I sure. just, I really wanted to see a bit more of some sort of fight whether yeah. it was aerial based. I know that they've done that in the past with like green goblin, but I just, I wanted to see a bit more of what his suit was capable of doing just simply because they had designed all these different weapons and yeah. we saw, we saw certain ones being used. I mean, 
that could do quite a bit of damage. And we did see that one point where uh, he activated his suit and the suit was bringing down the, the warehouse building. And that was, that was a, a fun moment. Yeah. But I just wanted to see more of the, the um, assault capabilities of his suit. Cause you know, he True. had something placed in there when he got into dicey situations, no. but all he really did was hold on to one of the guns. He like, you know, during the, the fairy scene, yeah. he had one of the, the weapons that his buddy had built up, but there, there weren't any kind of, cannons or yeah. missiles or lasers, anything on his actual suit. I'm glad they didn't kill him. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad so too. glad they didn't kill him. Uh, I mean, he could come back. He could be another villain another day. Uh, again, he's another complex character. Yeah. And again, you have a, a great villain. Why would you kill him off when you can reuse him again? Sure. Later on in the story. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, so grateful. Thank you, Sony, for not killing off the Vulture. Well, you could also thank Marvel Studios. No, no, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, did, I did like the scene with Stan Lee too. Yeah. I mean, you, you had to key on that one. Yeah. Did, did, was it any different for you since you got a chance to get your yes, picture taken was. with him? Yeah. Yes, it was. I almost yelled out in the theater, I met that guy. <laughs> Aren't I cool? <laughs> Everybody look at me. Look at him. Look at me. Yeah. Look at him. Look at me. <laughs> Old Spice. Yeah. Segwaying over to script slash dialogue, the script had a lot of funny and touching moments, I thought. Peter's best friend, Ned, played by Jacob Badalin, was a terrific addition that brought levity to the movie, but also grounded Peter in the world he resides in by having a buddy he hangs out with both in and out of school. I think that that was something that was missing quite a bit from the, the earlier Spider-Man films is you, all he really interacted or who he all, all he really interacted with was Mary Jane. You didn't really right. see him hanging out with some of his guy friends, like his buddies yeah. and whatnot. And when you're high school, I mean, you're not going to be a complete loner. You're going to have right. little, little buddies. And so I, I felt that having Ned in there, you know, of course all of his dialogue was just, really funny. I mean, like, like a lot of the things he was saying and just his overall enthusiasm, the way he delivered his lines, I thought, I thought it complimented nicely. <laughs> um, and then again, you know, Peter Parker is kind of out and about all the time, not really being social. So, uh, he does probably doesn't have a very, very big social circle. Well, I don't know. I, I, one of the issues I had with the, the Sam Raimi, Raimi, um, Spider-Man with, with to Tobey Maguire, I felt like they made him too much of a, of a nerd. And I understand that it's like it's comic books and they wanted to, to really push that point home. But I, my interpretation of Peter Parker was always one that he wasn't socially awkward. He was just busy. Yeah, right. He just had a lot of responsibility on his hands. And it's fine if he gets a little verklempt or, or um, cat got his tongue kind of thing when he's around Mary Jane because he uh, um, loves Mary Jane. I mean, that's like, okay, that's fine. He's attracted yeah. to her, that sort of thing. But it's just kind of weird how, like, when you stop to think about it, every high school scene you see when they, like, he's walking down the hall, he's getting picked on by a bully or something to that Flash effect. Flash is doing something, yeah. Yeah, you're just like, okay... <laughs> the guy has friends somewhere. And so I, 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 for one really appreciated them adding the Ned character in there. <laughs> I liked how they had Ned wear the mask. Cause he was dying to wear some sort of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? And at first I thought that, you know, Peter Parker was going to go, that's my mask. You know, give me my, but I thought, man, these guys are like, these guys are, are, are best BFFs. friends. Yeah. You know, so he might just wear them, let him wear the mask. Who cares? You know, 
I also liked when they were building the, the Star Wars Death Star. The fact that they <laughs> yeah. even had Star Wars exactly. in the film is a byproduct of the fact that Disney owns both Marvel right. and Lucasfilm. And yeah. that is just a, a terrific piece in there that once again, it brings that that realistic accessibility of the movie to the forefront where like you could totally see like, you know, you hang out with a buddy, putting together like a Star sure. Wars toy. It's like, it's not just all Marvel all the time. They, yeah. They're actually able to bring in some of these other celebrated licenses. So I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. I liked towards the end with the, the whole prom thing. My heart went out for Liz, man. I tell you, that was, was messed trying. up. But I'm, uh, when, when Ned was finally the computer guy and he's like wheeling around and he's like, I'm working on that computer and working on this computer and, and Peter Parker's trying to drive, you know, he's never driven before. And he's asking him <laughs> to do all these things. Find the schematic. I need to find the, where the windshield wipe or the, the lights the are. Headlights are, are yeah. yeah. Um, and then the teacher goes, there's the dance going on downstairs. You, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, oh man, just say you're looking at porn. Just, you know, just that, that puts all the blame on you. No, you thought that I knew. I, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Because I, are you serious? I, I'm absolutely serious. You're not shining me on I'm right now. I'm not shining you on. I'm sitting there thinking you got to say it. You got to say it. Cause you got to cover for Peter Parker. And that's exactly what the teacher's thinking. If, if she finds you away from all the nice dressed girls down uh -huh. there, you know, not dancing, you're up here on the computer by yourself. I mean, you can be in a computer at home for crying yeah. out loud. You came to a dance. So what are you doing up here? You know, that's the only good reason that's going to get her off. You were case. really dialed into this film because <clears throat> I was not expecting to say, I was wondering what the <clears throat> heck is he going to say? I know. I was like, and then he said it, it? And I was, I was laughing for, for a while <laughs> after that. I was like, man, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. My favorite dialogue in the entire film was the quote unquote talk. Um, between Peter Parker and the Vulture, which I mentioned earlier in the car as they're driving to the dance. Ugh. Once again, the tension was palpable in that scene. It was so yeah. well acted. It was just the timing and everything was just was great. I also appreciated the Tony Stark uh, suit dialogue, right. uh, which harkens back to his Iron Man 3 adventures, but works really well, in my opinion, when mentoring Spider-Man with the whole like, you know, the suit doesn't define you. You define yourself. You know, if you feel as though all that you are is within the suit, then you don't deserve the suit. I thought it was, it was a kind of a cool passing of the torch because Iron Man three really explored that. Like what is, what is Tony Stark right. without his suit and, or who, and just who he is and that sort of thing. And, um, so it was cool. And I felt like Spider-Man homecoming did a better job of exploring that than Iron Man three and Iron Man three. There was too much Tony and not enough Iron Man. Yeah. And uh, for my, my personal opinion was, I just, I think the film suffered as a result of that, but if I were to nitpick and I'm just being critical or pick knit, pick <laughs> <laughs> um, that the, the scene when they're in the gym and I think Peter Parker is like walking up or uh, climbing up a rope or something like that. They're all doing their little exercises, high right. school stuff. And the, and the girls are uh, just sitting there gossiping like, you know, girls do doing their thing. And that one chick goes, hmm, and I may have heard this wrong. And please tell me if I did. But she's sitting there going, I want to F Hulk and I want to marry Thor. And I want to, and she's talking about all the Avengers, what she wants to do. And I thought, oh my gosh, you're showing that in high school. Like, man, I'm. <laughs> I don't think she I've said, up from. I know, I know the scene you're talking about. I don't think that's what she said. <laughs> I know, I, I, I think she was Jeez. talking about, she was, she was saying who 
like which girl liked which Avenger. So, so, so one girl loved Iron Man, one loved, loved the Hulk, one loved Captain America or whatever. I can't remember which ones. Yeah. Uh, they were talking I, about. I, I, I was thinking, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I'm definitely going to watch it again. Yeah. And maybe if I have to buy it or I'll go see in the theater, most likely <laughs> I'm just going to buy it. But, um, I'm looking, I, I think I looked at you in the theater like just I don't want to make a scene over it because obviously you want to watch the movie. But you I was, stand up, you're like, did anyone else hear that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm come like, on. I'm like, what? They're gonna shut this? Is, talk about high school girls effing people. What in the world? Effing the Hulk for crying out loud? <laughs> Golly. Yeah, I, I unfortunately uh, I cannot answer to that. I have no idea. I have to revisit this on a podcast in the future, bros. A nitpick that I had. <laughs> Was that I did feel like I don't want to hear it. They, uh, well, <laughs> well, this is not very nice. Okay, go. I did feel like they spoiled too many of the best funny moments in the trailers. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes. And are, I did yeah, my I, best yeah. to not watch the trailers for this right. film because I knew I was already sold on the film, but. I mean, Disney just did a tremendous job, both Disney and Sony, in just saturating the market with these trailers. I could not get away from them, right. so I ended up seeing all this stuff. And because it was so funny, I ended up watching it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I do feel that that was a detriment. I think that um, they, uh, they they probably should take a, a more nebulous approach next time to not show all that. Because it would have been, I think it would have gotten higher marks overall yeah. had I not heard all those jokes 20 times before exactly. seeing the film. I, I, I didn't put that in my notes, but I remember walking out of the theater thinking that and I was going to talk to you about it, but then I thought I'm going to talk to you at all about it because we're going to talk about it for a good 45 minutes on the show. <laughs> so, but I didn't think that, okay, like Baby Driver did a terrible job with the trailer, you know, showing how good the movie is going to be with how crappy the trailer is. And then Disney goes, here's the entire movie with the trailer, you know, a lot of the funny parts. And then you watch the film, you already know the lines. So in a way that kind of made it, or the, the the score of the movie, I think overall suffered a little bit because of that. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost uh, here. Here's little tidbit spoilers for you that we're gonna you know dangle in front of your face. So like, sure. After you hear them, then you're already expecting. Oh yeah, this is the ship scene when he's gonna you know fly along here and throw uh-huh. a bunch of spider webs. Okay. Here's yep. I remember Tony Stark saying that. Okay. You know. Yeah. <sighs> Total side note. Um, speaking of the webs. Yeah. I absolutely loved how the webs looked when Peter would like land somewhere and he would just kind of fling his hand and you saw the web kind of whoop and it just, it just kind yeah. of drifted there for a bit and then uh, kind of dangled downward. I, I just, the, the, the look of it just really felt like a web. It was, it was pretty cool. And I liked how he had to do that little jerky motion and like, get off me. Yeah. Cinematography. Cinematography was what I expected, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It was colorful, bright, had that MCU signature look. I was a bit disappointed at the lack of web slinging though. Yeah. There really weren't very many scenes of Spidey swinging through New York. Yep. I mean, I think that a lot of the, the previous Spider-Man films, I just, I love going on that joy ride where you're, the camera's just totally tracking yep. and following Spider-Man through these different scenes. And, um, there were, yeah, they're just, it was kind of surprising really. Yeah. I, I was, when you were going to mention cinematography, I, I thought, yeah, that's where I kind of suffered a bit because, uh, I, I did enjoy that with the previous films when you feel like you're Spider-Man and you're oh, flying yeah. through the city. I mean, if you watch that on, on IMAX or something, you're yeah. going to be feeling it. I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of that in the, the PlayStation Spider-Man game that's totally. coming out. So I'm looking forward to it that much more, Yeah, but I'm, I did miss it in the movie Yeah, a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that they they will 
revisit that because if I were to put on my kind of critical thinking hat, they probably didn't want to do too much of that at this point just because this film was focusing on him getting his footing. And so he doesn't have like everything set up right. I mean, he, he can do certain things that in terms of agility, but... Um, I, I especially think that due to him just getting this new suit from Tony Stark, you know, we see all that, which by the way was great. I loved how the film started out with him kind of using his, his mobile phone <laughs> yeah. to record stuff. And yeah. just, I don't know. It, it really set the stage for the rest just of the Just like film. all the kids do nowadays, you know, everyone's recording everything on their mobile. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't, that was a, a cool touch because you know, he was going to be doing it. Yeah. I mean, partially, uh, Peter Parker is taking pictures of himself anyway. So mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to have his cell phone and 2017 on him to take pictures. I right. mean, that's just his character. Also, the framing of a lot of shots lacked that quote unquote comic book yeah. angle that you expect when flipping through a comic book. Mm-hmm. It just, it seemed like it was kind of here, here are your standard for sure compositions and layouts of shots, that sort of thing that you would see in a mainstream film. But it, it just didn't have those crazy extreme yep. angles, you know, that, yep. that you come to expect. And that's something that would be nice to see in the sequel. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I couldn't set it better myself. I thought about that in the entire movie. And, and again, it wasn't terrible. It's just like you, you, it left it to be desired. Yeah. You, you were yearning for more. You're right. like, Oh, get that in there. Yeah. It's too much groundwork and not enough like swooping through the air and angles and dramatic here, dramatic there flying through the air. Right. Moving on to soundtrack, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this other than what I mentioned earlier, which was just that the soundtrack was was okay. The, Forget, yeah, it's forgettable. The, the the most memorable part was at the beginning when yep. they did the orchestral version <laughs> of Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man, <laughs> spins a web like a spider can. <laughs> yeah. And that was great. And you could tell like everybody yeah. in the theater loved it. Like, yeah, yeah like at like, first people didn't know what was going on. But then as it went on, you're like, oh, wait, that's, oh, that's a Spider-Man song. That's yeah. cool. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, I mean, like, like there was no defining theme for the vulture. I really wanted to to hear what they would come up with that, and even the just kind of the Spider Man march. Yeah, there just wasn't anything there. And of course, Danny Elfman um, had a, just a really nice take on on the Spider Man. Yeah, um, and I got to intro. thinking about that after the movie, and I thought, uh, in the other movies, you had you had more of the cinematography, and you had more of the soundtrack to complement the cinematography when these swooping. Th- I mean, it worked but this one you didn't have it and so therefore also the soundtrack suffered because if you had actually if you mean had the soundtrack it still would have been cool but it would have been misplaced at the same exact time because if he's not doing anything dramatic yet you have dramatic you know music playing in the background do you take it do you leave it you know does it fit so last but not least the costumes what do you think of the spider-man costume overall um I I could take it or leave it. I the whole eye thing, uh, you know, he had a lot more black around his eye than you know in the other movie. I thought, okay, I've seen some of the comics where he's like that, and some of the games that's his original like that. look. That's that's what I thought, but I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a lot of that the eyes were moving around a whole lot, and I thought, how are they? Are they, are they screens? Or are they supposed to be his actual eyes? Or do they show emotion? Or I mean, I was. I think they were probably doing a little bit of both. Yeah. Where where. I think that that the the more uh, technical purpose was just so he could be able to focus in on certain things or or block sunlight that sort of thing. But then I think they also were using it to emote his his current state of emotion, 
which was fine by me. For, for me, I actually, I liked it. It kind of uh, had a, an echo of Deadpool. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it's not, it's not used as aggressively as in Deadpool, which Deadpool totally works. <laughs> um, but I, I, I did really like it. I thought that it was cool to see how there were certain um, kind of utility belt oriented slots in his, in his costume this time that allowed him to hold on to certain like, you know, web packs and that sort of thing. Sure. It was just, but it wasn't wholly prominent. It wasn't like he was wearing a belt, yeah. but it was just, it was cool. It was all subtle and hidden in certain Little nooks and crannies. If we could back up the script. <laughs> yes, Michael lost the yeah, but uh <laughs> didn't you like this the interrogation scene when he uh there, there was that that dude, that thug that was gonna buy uh, the weapon um when they were just firing off kind of in around that party scene. Peter Parker finds him, it's right. kind of in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, the, he's 15 years old. He's not some tough guy. Yeah. And he has a fun-loving personality. He's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And so, but when he, when he, when he throws a web in that guy's hand in the trunk, so he <laughs> keeps him there, you yeah. know? But the, and the guy kind of feels for him. Yeah. And he was like, look, man. The intimidation mode was pretty funny. Yeah, intimidation mode was funny. He's like, you got to get better at this. You know, yeah. I'm going to help you out here, but, you know, just because you're being cool with me. <laughs> yeah. That, that was good. I thought that was done well. The vulture costume also I thought was really cool. Uh, just looking at the apparatus with the wings, yeah. I thought was super cool. Night, I, I love the yeah the yeah. green color yeah. uh, just really worked out well. I loved how they incorporated kind of the pilot mask, but done in a way that was like this armored beak or something, um, and just just the way how it was almost it was almost used as like an exoskeleton for. Michael Keaton's body. So like when, if he moved his, his leg, for instance, he had those, those big claws that enabled him to uh, latch onto things, that sort of thing. Speaking of Michael Keaton being the vulture, <clears throat> he's been now the vulture mm-hmm. with wings. Yes. Uh, the last big movie I think he was in, uh, was, uh, Birdman. You are correct. Uh, wings. And, uh, of course we can't forget him in Batman. Right. Oh, also wings. <laughs> Michael Keaton should oh Michael Keaton Condor Man (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh people you gotta YouTube Condor Man Oh my that that is a a gem from the 70s Yes sir Okay Well I have conjured up Steve Actually before I go into this how many stars would you give Spider Man Homecoming? (sighs) You know I'm I want to give it a four, but I just think to me, it's like, I give it a 3.5. I would give it, actually, I'm going to go a little higher. Russ. I'm going to give you your 3.5 and raise you a quarter. Okay. I would, I would do it. I would give it the same rating. I gave baby drivers three, three and three quarters. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My rating for baby, baby driver was four stars. This one gets a 3.5. I, uh, I, I did thoroughly enjoy the film. Yeah. I did feel that due to too many scenes being spoiled through the trailers, uh, dampened my enjoyment a bit yep. because I already knew what to expect. And I, like I said, they saturated the market. So I had seen it so many times. And I also felt too, like there, there are other little nitpicky things such as the, the in-fight sequence with Vulture. I just wanted to see something mm-hmm. a bit more epic. I also wanted to see Michael Keaton um, be able to, to do a bit more with a couple of scenes. I've, I've, I felt as though that was a bit restrictive and that sort of thing. 
But by and large, it was a very enjoyable film. I certainly recommend people to go check Absolutely. it out. I think that, that people really, really dig it. And it's a nice addition to the Spider-Man family. Sure. It's certainly better than the majority of Spider-Man films that have come out. It's As way late, better yeah. than Spider-Man yeah. 3 or Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. Yeah. I think it's actually even, it's better than um, the first Spider-Man movie that came out. Hmm. Really the one I, I think is better is Spider-Man 2. And Spider-Man 2, I would give that one probably four stars uh, four and four point five, somewhere around there. I thought I thought it was it was a really good yeah. uh, film. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much along there with you. I um I I did give it a little bit of a nudge just because of the great feeling and the great time I had mm -hmm. watching it. I mean, when you drug me out to see, I'm not a morning person, people. So I'm gonna drag <clears throat> you by the hair, but since you don't have any, drag you by the ear, drag you by the boxers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I had atomic wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I, I had no breakfast and I was, you know, I've just woken up. I That's how I roll people. Yeah. I don't feed my brother. What are you crazy? Yeah. So I woke up, put clothes on, went right to the theater. Want a hot dog? And, uh, you want a theater food stand? <laughs> Salted pretzel with cheese. Yeah, really? So, um, so I, you know, you, Interrupting me so many times, I forgot where I was going with that. But <laughs> take that. But so I, I went into the theater, um, you know, feeling like that, but being oversaturated and um, with the, with the soundtrack the way it was, and with it and the cinematography the way it was, mm -hmm. and and it being leaving out things here and there, and me feeling conflicted, you know, kind of good, not so good, sort of thing at the whole entire movie. But at the end, walking out, still famished. Mm-hmm. I felt great watching it. So I would definitely recommend seeing it. It's just that since I, I'm conflicted about it so much, I don't feel like giving it a four, but yeah. it's right there. Yeah. You know what else that, that um, I just got to say, Russ, mm, he's, he's talking at me. We've talked about it on the show quite a few times, but the physics, I was watching for it. And, and, and I got to tell you too, my expectations already up here. It's a Spider-Man. It's not some like, we're going to throw a new, you know, superhero movie at you. This is a lot, a lot of money's behind this. Uh -huh. And I thought, okay, when he has a suit on and he's obviously fighting and he's jumping around at, at some point where it's obviously CG, he's being gumbo man again. Like he's just jumping here and he's just gumbo. Jumping. You mean Gumby? Gumby, gumbo, whatever. He's stretching. Gumbo makes me think of like some Cajun from Louisiana. <laughs> I got my stream here. I'm gumbo man. <laughs> um, but when, when I watched the, the first Spider-Man again, yeah, obviously the the graphics are dated, but yeah. they it hasn't gone much in fifteen years for the physics. And I thought, again, guys, you got money, you got talent, fix the physics. They could do it in the games, do it in these high blockbuster movies. The physics were a bit more front and center for me for Wonder Woman in terms of certain scenes not gelling very well. But in Spider Man Homecoming, I'm trying to think about a sequence that stood out as not very believable and I don't recall yeah there being certain scenes that really stood out to me but I, I was definitely looking for it just because it's been a gripe of mine for yeah. a lot of CG movies I just I, I'm looking for it I am happy to tell you Steve that I have oh. Spider-Man Homecoming trivia courtesy of IMDB <laughs> lay it on me Aaron Davis who's Donald Glover, mentions he has a nephew. In the comics, Aaron Davis is the ultimate Marvel Universe version of the villain, the Prowler, whose nephew is Miles Morales, a.k.a. the second ultimate Spider-Man. 
So I thought that that was definitely worthy of, oh, I missed that. I got to make sure I cover that. Jennifer Connelly voices the Spider-Man computer Karen. <laughs> I know you're, you, you love you, yourself some Jennifer Connelly. Did you know that her husband is Paul Bettany? No, I don't pay attention to uh, husband's <laughs> rest. <laughs> well, her husband, Paul, Paul, had voiced the Iron Man suit computer Jarvis. She was also cast because of her appearance in the John Hughes produced uh, career opportunities in 1991. Homecoming pays homage to Hughes high school films and casting Connolly was done as a tribute to, to his career. But I thought, how cool is it that her husband plays the voice of Jarvis and she plays the voice of Karen? Wow. So uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. It is pretty cool. <laughs> Nick Fury was originally going to be Peter's mentor in the film with Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role, but they went with Tony Stark instead. And I, I'm glad that they did. I think that it, it just fit the bill better in this case. The music that plays over the Marvel Studios, and this is something that we've already talked about, but I'll just say it again. The music, the music that plays over the Marvel Studios logo is an orchestral version of the classic Spider-Man television theme song written yeah. in 1967. Yes, we know that, Russell. By Paul. I know, I'm just I'm going through it. Oh, okay. You know, calm down, cool your jets. <laughs> By Paul Francis Webster and Robert Bob Harris. I'm gonna make sure I get the, the proper credits in here. For the animated television show, here it has been adapted by film composer Michael... Giacchino? I, I hope I'm saying that right. Why is it that everybody with hard to pronounce names are in Hollywood? Yeah, well, you, <laughs> it's uh, very cosmopolitan there. <laughs> the film's release date was originally meant for Thor Ragnarok in 2017, which was then moved to November 3rd of 2017, release slot for Black Panther of 2018. This move would ultimately change the release dates for several other Marvel films. Kind of interesting there. How they did, oh, a little moving and shaking there. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland is the youngest actor at 19 to be cast as Peter Parker slash Spider-Man. His predecessors, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, were 25 and 26, respectively, when they were cast. So they're getting... And that, that was actually one of the things I really uh, loved about the film, too, is that he's actually, like, close to the right age. Right. <clears throat> this will be the first Spider-Man film... <laughs> where the special effects for the character are not being produced by another company affiliated with Sony, the rights holder to Spider-Man. Industrial Light and Magic, oh, hey, hey, love me some ILM, which handles much of the special effects for the Marvel Cinematic Universe film series, will be producing the special effects, which is like, yes. Wow. That's, that's, that's what I like right Go there. Go Elam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During the initial encounter, Vulture appears in front of the moon briefly with his wings spread. Yeah. This is similar to a scene in the 1989 Batman film right. with the bat wing flying in front of the moon. Homage. In both cases, the person using the wing technology is none other than Michael Keaton. Nice. Love me some MK. The Vulture is the fourth member of the original Sinister Six gang, which I am uh, familiar with because I love Spider-Man, um, to appear in a Spider-Man film. Members who have been previously appeared are Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2 in 2004, Sandman in Spider-Man 3 of 2007, and Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 of 2014. So far, only Mysterio and Kraven the Hunter have not appeared in live action to date. So, making a little mental notes of that, like, oh, 
Speaking of Electro, Russ, I did like that they introduced the Shocker. Yes. Freaking awesome. Yeah, that is something that, that we forgot to talk about. I'm glad that you remembered that. Yeah, I'm, it was it was kind of like they were playing around with it because at first, the, the first guy, yeah. you're like, oh, he's the Shocker. And then yeah. he dies. Yeah. You're like, oh. Well, then this other guy comes playing with it. So I'm thinking, oh, is this the shocker? Like, and it was it was fine that they didn't actually dedicate it to a particular actor, but that it was it was pretty freaking obvious that yeah. they they wanted to to yeah. strongly hint, hey, this could be the next villain. Exactly, and I, they did a great job, and I'm glad they they <coughs> just mentioned him. I, he was one of my favorite villains in Spider Man. This was something that that I thought was worthy of note. According to the Marvel Sony deal, Kevin Feige will not be compensated as an executive producer on the film, and. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Steve, but Kevin has been steering the Marvel studio ship um, since, since basically since the studio got started. I mean, he's been a huge reason why all these films have been so successful. He's El Capitan. Yeah. So it's interesting that he uh, did not get his typical credit in the film. It's kind of like, all right, well, you do realize that like, mm-hmm. you know, he's a big reason why Sony you're, you're getting this money. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Anyway, the sequel to this film won't be called Spider-Man Homecoming 2 or have a numerical 2 in the title. I wouldn't think so. Internally, Disney's Marvel Studios and Sony are referring to Spider-Man Homecoming 2, but that's not what the final title will be. Marvel chief Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, the former Sony executive who is producing the film for the studio, told Collider that the film will be called Spider-Man, you know, colon subtitle with no number two in the title. Fage and Pascal also told Collider that they plan on starting production in April or May of next year. Speaking of Disney, you know what, you know how they have, if you know, at, at Disneyland, how they have all the characters dressed up as the, either you know, cartoon characters or the star, the storm troopers, you know, yeah, star Wars uh-huh. or whatever. It's the uh, happiest place on earth. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I, I wonder if, I mean, they could have Spider-Man obviously walking around and kind of posing like Spider-Man, but what if, that wouldn't be kind of cool if he could like rappel or somehow down a building or uh, around the Spider-Man part of the theme park. Sure. You know, so you'd be like, you could look up and be like, Spider-Man, not like Spider-Man walks up to be like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Yeah, you want a picture? <laughs> that would be freaking amazing. Yeah, that'd be really cool. When Spider-Man is observing the robbery of the bank ATM on the building wall behind him, the word Bagley is spray painted in large letters. This is in reference to a longtime Amazing Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man comic book artist, Mark Bagley, which is, um, he actually, his work was a little, 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 uh, Russ trivia for you, thrown in here for good measure. The very first comic book I ever got was an Amazing Spider-Man comic, and it was drawn by Mark Bagley. I've been a, a fan of his since probably 1992. Peter is shown wearing boxer shorts when he puts on the suit given by Stark. However, Tom Holland said he wore a thong underneath because the suit oh, that's was hot. skin tight. <laughs> oh my God. I wonder how that must have felt. Uh. <laughs> Atomic wedgie right there. Oh, spider wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> a thong so thin it's like spider webs. Booty floss. <laughs> okay, okay, moving on. The scene in which Peter, through sheer force of will, lifts the machinery pinning him down after the vulture forces the structure to collapse on him is a nod to the scene in The Amazing Spider-Man 
uh, comic book number 31 through number 33 in which he does the very same thing. The panels in the comic are considered by many to be some of the most iconic to Spider-Man's history. So hmm. I have not seen those myself. I'll probably do a little image Google search to see. I'm sure they've got to be on the, the web somewhere. The web. Uh, I, I actually did not mean for that to be a pun. <laughs> the interwebs. Yeah. One of the items Spider-Man finds in the damage control storage facility is Ultron's head from the Avengers Age of Ultron. I remember him, like, he had some sort of weird cybernetic head thing, but it, it just went by so quickly I couldn't make out what it was. But I, I knew there was some sort of significance with that. I just, I, I must have blinked or something when you could actually see it. But even before Disney and Marvel Studios had worked with Sony to bring Spider-Man into the MCU, a popular fan theory about Iron Man 2 of 2010 was that Peter Parker was the little boy in an Iron Man mask who stands up to a killer right. robot and yep. is saved by Tony Stark. Yeah. So check this out. Yeah, I read that. Tom Holland loved this idea so much that he asked Kevin Feige for, for permission to confirm this idea as official, and Feige agreed, which I thought was great. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a, a wonderful example of creative minds coming together and something that Kevin may not have even considered and having someone come up and say, hey, would you mind if we do this? Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, that's just part of the fun of being in cinema. Right. This is great. This is the first live action appearance of Mac Gargan, also known as the Spider-Man villain, the Scorpion. And I think, I think that was the the inmate that Michael Keaton ran into when he was in jail. Cause I, I was thinking, who is that guy? I could not recognize who he was. Yeah. That's probably, that, that's probably who the Scorpion was. And finally, after the plane crashes on Coney Island, Peter sits on top of a roller coaster called the Cyclone. In Captain America, the first Avenger of 2011, when the howling commandos are about to zip line into the train, Bucky asks Steve if it is revenge for when he made him ride the Cyclone. <laughs> so once again, it's just, it's just Marvel being absolutely brilliant, tying everything right. together. So... I do believe that that will wrap up this current episode of Joygasm. We're certainly very, very pleased as punch to have you folks all here with us and engage in some geeking out of Spider-Man Homecoming. If you haven't seen the film, we definitely encourage you to go check it out because it is a really enjoyable film to check out. Until next time, I am going to bid you adieu and say, as always, happy gaming. Happy gaming. Happy gaming.